Church app. To do this, search GracePointCX in the app or Google Play Store. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Hardly anybody said anything. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. How many are dealing with uh, um, allergies, sickness, colds, flu, whatever they want to call it? How many are dealing with that? Stand right where you are. Stand up. 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 All right. Now, um, I'm going to have some of our leaders who aren't sick to lay hands on, just put hands on them. And husbands, you can put, lay hands on your wife. You better. Um, you know better than that. Um, and uh, why don't you do that? We're going to do something unusual in church, but we're going to just come pray. We believe God um, wants to heal you. And uh, I know a lot of people are going through a lot of things. And um, don't forget, guys, we're going to pray for healing, but if the, do- if the Lord sends you to the doctors, doctors work, okay? Um, but if he decides not to, um, we're going to pray. We're praying anyway. So here we go. Father, I thank you this morning, God, for your amazing, your amazing uh, power. I thank you for your purpose for us is to be free from sickness. I thank you, Lord God, that sickness is illegal, Father, and you want healing for our bones. Father, I pray right now, it says to your stripes, we are healed. Everyone here is dealing with allergies, whatever flu, whatever that is, a virus. We capture that right now by the power of your spirit. And I ask those who are laying hands on right now, Lord God, that they will sense to feel the healing power from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. So just touch them right now, God, with your tender touch, God. And we ask this to be removed right now in the name of Jesus. Remove it, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for your promise of healing. We thank you for your promise of wholeness. And most of all, we stand upon that promise, God. And we thank you in advance for complete healing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. It's amazing. That's what church is all about. Could not go the whole time and uh, not um, have you guys... Um, be prayed for. And today, if you've been coming a while, and welcome you. My name is Pastor Rich. If you're a guest this morning, thank you for coming out. We usually do, don't do that on Sunday morning that way, but I felt like the Lord said do it this, that way this morning. Uh, we're going to continue in our series, Re. If you've been, I've been coming a while, the first week we talked about Re, Azolf, talked about courage. Last week we talked about, how many enjoyed last week's message? Talking about our soul, uh, recapture rest. How many practice rest this week? Just slowing down, right? How many don't even know what that means? Well, go on that webpage at www.gracepoint.com and listen to that message. Anyway, so what we're going to talk about is faith. Reassurance. Reassurance. Again, reassurance. I'm talking about re... I'm talking about when you go into a new year, we have so many new, uh, so many new declarations and so many new things we want to do, and then we get all the way to February, then we, you know, we fall by the wayside, then we start again next year. I mean, like that. That's how the gymnasiums are. But I want to say what John Maxwell always says, it's not about the new decisions you make, it's about the decisions you already made, how to manage that. And God wants us to revisit some things this, this, uh, this year uh, in our lives. And today is reassurance. If you want to know what the word assurance means, it means confidence or certainty in one's ability. Now, the word re, when you put reassurance, it means the actions of removing someone's doubts or fears. And today we're going to talk about faith. I'm going to talk about the the man of faith, removing someone's doubts or fears. And I hope today we're able to remove some of those doubts and fears that you have in God. Because if you have doubt and fear in God, you'll have doubt and fear in people. you have doubt and fear in this nation, the way it's going. And we want, God wants us to be um, not, 
well, we'll deal with some of those things, but he wants us to be solid. He wants our faith to be significant and, and strong and steady. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to talk about the great man of faith, um, uh, Abraham. And how many know the Abraham story? 25 years waiting for his, his child. And how many read that story and said, that is impossible to live up to? Right? And we don't get to the, we don't get to the human side of it. And I want to give you a, um, a quote from Dr. Crawford Ritz. It says this, when we're talking about faith and we're waiting, he says, don't waste your waiting, the time between where, you, where we are and the fulfillment of the promise is designed to transform us. I want to debunk faith is like naming and claiming. I want to debunk that we live from this mountaintop to mountaintop. Faith is a moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour walk. It's a journey. And that's what I love about the, the story of Abraham. It was a journey of 25 years. But in the midst of that journey, God transformed his heart in the midst of it. Whatever we're waiting for, whatever promises God has given us, there's a portion that God is mostly so, he's so, um, let me put it this way, he is so interested in what, who, who we're going to become versus what we're going to do. Now, whatever he's going to have you do, he's going to have you become. Okay? If you're going to be a campus minister, you're going to become one before you are doing it right. Because all he cares about character, more he cares about talent. So whatever you do, whatever God has called you, whatever the promise is, whatever that is, faith begins when the will of God is known. So if you know the will of God for your life, and some of you don't, you hope, I hope you find out today, you will discover that God is going to transform you into that before he puts you to work into that. Now, you'll work in that, but you'll not fully succeed in that until you become that. And Abraham could not fully receive Isaac until he became all that God called him to be. Remember, he was Abram, then he went to Abraham. He changed his name when he was ready. Now, he made some mistakes, and we're going to talk about some of those things. Now, let's go, if you have your Bible, Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. It says, he did not weaken in faith when he was considered his own body, which was good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. He gave glory to God, and he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. What he had promised. Now, what we're going to cover today, how can, how come, if you ever ask this question, how come Abraham's faith didn't weaken? He had no distrust. He didn't waver. He grew strong, and he was fully convinced. How did that happen? Well, we're going to unpack this, minute, this passage, and you're going to see some things. And we're going to talk about the history of Abraham. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that we'll understand, God, that you are God that keeps promises. You are a promise keeper and a promise deliverer. I pray, God, that we will understand the journey of faith. And as we understand the journey of faith, we'll understand you more. Because that's what it's about, our relationship growing in you. As we grow in you, our faith grows. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now, how did his faith did not, didn't weaken, no distrust, didn't waver, grew strong, but was fully convinced? If you take a note, the very first one, you got to see this. Faith often goes against the evidence of our senses. 
How many can say amen? Okay. 19 says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which is good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and when you considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. I love the NIV. It says, he faced the fact. He faced the fact. Now, during his journey, God told him in Genesis chapter 12, go out to a place. You see it in Hebrews, to a place I will show you. It even says in Hebrews, he was going to a place he didn't know. Now, he didn't know the place, but he trusted the one who told him to go. He knew the will of God, and then faith came. Okay? Faith comes by the will of God, when you know the will of God. So he went out. It's amazing. His journey. Now, he had some missteps. The minute he was called in 12 and 13, he went the wrong way, went down to Egypt because he was trying to hide. He tried to sell his wife off as a sister. What a guy. What a husband. No, but he's us. Okay? He's us. Now, if you get down, to, get down to chapter 16, he's waiting for the promise. He decides, well, I'm going to help God out. You ever been there? Walking in faith. I'm going to help God out. And his wife had a great idea. Here's my maidservant. Sleep with her. And then we'll have the child. We'll have the blessed one. God doesn't understand, but we'll help him out. And he was 86 years old when it happened. So he was still doing good at 86. And then if you look at chapter 17, it says when he was 99. Now, he made this mistake, and God did not speak for 13 years. But God did not let him go, because he came back in number one. He says, stand before me in your weakness. Basically, take your hands off the wheel, Abraham. I got this. And the promise has not gone away. You didn't blow it. I love God's grace. You love God's grace? Amen. So Ishmael was born. And now, when he considered, when he faced the fact, it takes you to Genesis 17, 17. Now, it says in 17, he fell on his face when God showed up. He fell on his face and laughed to himself. Shall a child be born to me at 100 years old? And then look at my spouse. She is 90 years old. Are you kidding me? Really? It doesn't look right. doesn't make any sense. But God told him anyway, and about a year from now, you're going to have a son. Now, I want to tell you this. Momentary doubts and fears come, but God's promises stay. Now, it's okay to have momentary lapses in faith. We're emotional. Make sense? When you hear this, sometimes say, my faith seems like I'm, I'm just wavering. If someone comes up to you and says you have to have more faith, punch him in the face and then come see me. <laughs> no, we're going to help you with that because you're emotional now. It's a long wait. Sometimes it's a long wait when you're waiting on something. It's okay. That is the journey of faith. And what God was doing was building his capacity to receive Isaac. God builds our capacity to receive the promise before we receive the promise. You want your son to have a nice car when he graduates from high school, right? Dads, even though you say you're not going to give him anything, sons, they're lying. But the capacity to drive a car is after they take the test and they're responsible. 
You don't want to give him a car at three years old or five. Go ahead and drive. Not ready for it. Same thing with faith. God knows what we need, but there's a process that takes place. Faith always looks at the facts. You have to faith, we have to face the facts because every time God calls us, we don't have the, the tools, we don't have the finances, we don't have the personality yet, but we always look at the facts and the lenses of the promise. Whenever God calls, because I have those moments too, my job is to make sure you stay full of faith and have all the faith for you, and then I got to go home and have my own faith. Now, you don't see me on Mondays when it's my crash day about what I said on Sunday. Or my faith is like, whoa, I have to recharge my faith because they didn't hear it. They don't care. They need to, you know, that, all those things come up in your mind. And I say, I'm still praying for you, and I got to pray for my own things. And sometimes I have those moments. Or Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, the reason why I don't turn around, because I want, how many people going to come? I hope they come. They need to come. In Jesus' name, they came. It's a life of faith. Now I don't mean I kill. No, I have a moment. I'm, I'm, I'm human. I'm going to let you up the hook. Because it takes faith. The just shall live by faith. It's not a mountain. What we live by, we do in America, mountaintop, the mountaintop. And when the valley, we think we have nothing. It's not about, you don't build your faith in the mountaintops. That's just a great explosion so you can go down to the valley and live it. It's a journey. It's a moment by moment, not mountain by mountain. And then you got to realize you learn your Bible better because for every problem that you see in front of you, there's a promise that's written for you. So that keeps you in the Word, keeps you in the Bible to build your faith. How are we doing? So it's okay. Look at the lens of your issues or your challenges through the lens of the promise. Whatever God's called you to do. Now, I spend a lot of my time talking to young students all the time. They'll tell you, he's a broken record. Yeah, because if God sent you to college, he put you there, he's going to put you through it. So why would God change his mind in the middle of you, of you, of you, of you your third year? I'm not going to make it. You're going to make it. Why would he say, psych? <laughs> so I'm a broken record. I know no one gets up and says, I'm going to college. I didn't get up and say, I'm going to college. I tried it one time. I lasted six months. I said, I'm going to take a break. Ten years later, <laughs> I'm like, I'm a 30-year student. Finally got a degree. Hallelujah. Right? It's not, about, it's not about the time. It's the process. Now, you're getting paid. So I had to pay my own way through. So your parents are paying you. You need to go to school. Okay? But here's the thing about it. He put me there when the timing was right. He's going to put me through on his timing. But when I'm in there, there's something for me to learn. There's something for me to learn. Making sense? So we look at the second one is faith acknowledges. What happened to Abraham? When he faced the facts, it says next one, faith acknowledges the very character of God. Verse 20 said, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. He gave glory to God. See, you got to remember, when you're looking at a promise, uh, 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 someone gives a promise. Behind every promise lies the character of the one who made them. Like, you go on, a, you go on someone promised you something, 
and you have to rely on their character to, to bring it past, right? You have a handshake deal, and you're hoping their character, that they will not run out on you, but they will fulfill what they said they're going to fulfill. So when you look at that, you have to know the very character of God, okay? Now, behind, now the very character of God is basically he does not let you go. We sung the song. How many loves it? He is faithful. That's one of his characteristics. He is very faithful. And behind every promise from the Bible, Larry's the very character of God. Now, when he said glorifying God, that's a big word. But I said, oh, go glorify it. We have no idea what it means. It means this, declaring who God is. We're trusting God to be true to himself as the, as the God of creation and the resurrection. He created the world. He resurrected Jesus. We were all dead in our sins and doom, remember? Ephesians 2, he resurrected us, didn't he? So if he can do that, basically everything he wrote, he writes, his word is pure. It doesn't come back void. It never fails. That's the character I can rely on. Now, when you get the hold of that, you'll realize that's the only thing I need to make it through because that's the foundation of all our trust and everything else. If we look at God in a skewed way, we'll look at his creation in a skewed way. When we have a hard time trusting God, we have a hard time trusting his people, especially if you felt you had a bad experience from God, that he let you down, which he didn't. The only thing you got disappointed on is your own expectations to him. Make sense? So when you look at that, um, glorifying God and doing it. And now the prophet, Jeremiah, I love Jeremiah. They call him the crying prophet. His job was, I want to talk to Israel who's going to be judged. Everything they said, you say they're not going to listen to. Do you want the job? Now, he, God didn't ask him. He thrusted him into it. And Jeremiah is the rawest prophet there is. He'll tell you exactly what he felt. He said, God, I was tri- you fooled me, and I'm fooled. These people are crazy. They try, the, even the priest didn't like Jeremiah. So when they were going into judgment and the people were coming to, um, to, to take over Jerusalem and took a siege, they had siege warfare against Jerusalem, which means they cut anything going in and anything going out. They starve you out. In some of the parts of the Bible, you said they were drinking their own urine, drinking, and they were eating um, animals' dung because there was no more food. Okay? And what, what he did, he, in a prayer... In Jeremiah 32, 17, he said this, O Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing, everyone said it again, nothing is too hard for you. What was he doing? He was glorifying God. He was acknowledging his incomparable greatness and majesty of God's character. Who's greater than God? Nobody. Majestic in all his ways, Right? And you start singing that, and you start saying that, and all of a sudden his, 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 uh, his faith started to grow because they threw him in a cistern. And then notice when he put his faith in God, everyone was going through trials, and God was giving him favor with foreign kings. But in the midst of his emotions, because he's a very emotional guy, he was strengthened by his faith by acknowledging his majestic his uncomparable greatness. Uh, if God is for me, who can be against me? Heaven and earth, you were created, will, uh, will fade away, but your word will never fail. 
Nothing's too hard for you. Nothing. Your arm's not too short to reach out. Nothing. And that what they did, it just, in the midst of turmoil, Abraham, in the midst of waiting, because he told God, okay, this Ishmael, take him. He can be the one. God said, no, it's not the plan. That's your plan. He represents the flesh. Isaac's going to represent the spirit. And the flesh and the spirit will always be at war. Guess where we are now? In the Middle East. Flesh and the spirit. Whenever you have a briefing, they talk about the tribes. Ishmael and Isaac. Okay? That's why I love the Bible. It unpacks everything that's happening today. So nothing's too hard for you. And sometimes you have to have that. You got to be in your word so you know the word. Because that's the only thing you, because you can't, sometimes friends won't have that for you. You don't know what it is. And when you get that, that full, you go to your last point. I said, faith is fully convinced that God's power will match his promise. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Now, verse 17 of, uh, of chapter 4 says this. He gives life to the dead and calls existence to the things that do not exist. Now, he's talking about giving life to the dead. Talking about those who are talking about the resurrect, the power, raising the resurrection, raising Jesus up, raising us up. Talking about him creating the world where there was nothing. Everyone say nothing. When he created, there was nothing. It was void. The word is ex nihilo. He created something out of nothing. It didn't exist. He created it. We have a God that can create something out of nothing. So when you think your promise has gone south, if you think it's dead, I love what Jesus does to show up. He said, it's just sleeping. It's just, now, go ahead and wave some flames over it. It'll wake up. And the resurrection, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it resides in us. In us, the Holy Spirit. There's not an upper spirit and a lower spirit. That guy have a higher spirit than you? No. I just learned how to take a beating better than you. That's what leadership is. You take all the blame. Praise God. I can't wait, right? If you're a leader, right? That's all it is. Nothing fabulous about it. It's just you take the blame. They got someone to blame, right? No one, no one's, no one wants to be in leadership. Well, we're going to thrust you there. Anyway, that's what it's about. Now, you want his power, and God, your power, we're hoping that it matches your, your promises. Because God is able, promises he will. The power is able, promises he will. Can you match it? At the right time, I will. How are we doing? See, faith is a response to God, guys. It's a response to God. Now, you have faith with no response. They call that mental assent. What is the mental assent? Well, it believes that if um, Leland is going on campus and he's sharing the God test and doing great work, and I'll say, "Go, um, who believes um, Leland is doing a great job? I do. Who wants to go with him? I will. And then you go over campus, and Leland's doing it, and you, he's watching, you know, you're watching him, and he's showing you around. And then the next question is, who wants to go instead of Leland? 
because I said it, but I didn't respond to it. Faith does not respond. It's just mental assent. We can sing all the songs. We can have all the talk. And we can put on our, um, our, our um, armor in the spirit. We can put on all our armor on of God and stay in our prayer closet. It's mental assent. Church is full of it. We marvel at those who step out in faith, like we remember during the fast. When people say, I'm going on a mission trip, God says, okay. They took the first step, and God did this. And all, of us, all it takes for us, some of us, is just the first step. First step's always the hardest. Okay? Now, I want to I help you with this. How do we keep, our, keep an assured faith? First one is you want to connect to the source of your faith. Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes by what? And hearing through what? Okay. Now, Jesus himself is the very object and the source. It's not about the strength of my faith. It's about the object of my faith. He's the very source and object of my faith. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, not the, a truth, but the life. Now, the source of my faith it's Jesus. Not this. You know, I, I get that I live in suburbia. So I, when I go out and exercise in the morning, I see people have CNN on early in the morning when they get up. Have, have, you, um, have you guys listened to the news lately? Has it been good? I mean, have you heard anything good? I, I, I timed it last week on a, on a Wednesday night. They had 27 minutes of negative, and they have the three-minute. And you're still like, I'm, I'm in such a negative dive, I'm not coming out. Ever been there? How we're conditioned for that? Now, our faith should be directed to Christ, right? But it should be directed by what he's revealed to us. Where's his revelation? In the very word that we walk by. Directed to... Right? He's a source directed by the revelation. So now I'm walking by faith, not by sight, which is not easy to do. I must be directed by what he has revealed. Now, if he has not changed the story, the promise, if he has not changed the process, and you feel like nothing's happening, you're in a perfect place. Because he's teaching you today faithful in the same direction for a long period of time. People ask, what are you doing? The last thing he said, I'm not asking any, I told anybody, I'm glad I don't get a lot of prophetic words. I'm trying to live with, live with the one I just received a while ago. <laughs> I, I can't multitask. I hope it's all wrapped up in the same direction I'm going. Make sense? So that's what it's about. When you do that, you're directed to Christ, his word, guys, his word. He speaks off the, remember we said last week, the Bible's living and active, sharpening the two edges. It's for us. It starts to read us. It starts to encourage us when we're feeling, oh, my gosh. And the next thing is, the last thing we don't like to do, connect with people of faith. 2 Timothy 2.22. So flee useful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord for pure heart. See, faith can be really, should be pursued with those with the same hunger for righteousness. The last thing you need to do 
if you're having a faith crisis, is to, is to try to confess to someone who has no faith. That's like, I'm, I'm bankrupt, so you're going to go to a broke guy to tell you I'm bankrupt. Now, the things that change constantly in our lives, which I don't like, I don't like this word, but it does, because we do have lifelong friends. The things that will change constantly if you're growing with Christ, not that much, but it'll, it'll tip unless you get people going with you, is the books you read and the deep relationships you have. Because as you climb up, you're going to want those with you. And community is under attack. When we talk about life groups at the end of this, some of the follow-on things we can do, take a step and sign up with some people who have a hunger for righteousness, who can pray for you when you need it, that you don't have to wait weekly for, for communication, weekly for encouragement. Now, I know this was the perfect time to... Um, I didn't think about it when we wrote this. When God gives me something for six months ahead of time, I didn't think today would be faith. Um, yesterday morning I got up, and um, TV was blaring, and um, prayed, and, um, well, government shut down. Okay? So my wife works on base. I'm an I'm a, I'm a Air Force retiree. So we get all the letters, and I get all the emails. This is what's going to happen if you don't get paid. You're not going to get paid. You got to go to work anyway. And you retirees, when, it, when, they come, when they get the budget, you'll get paid. And we have been through it before. And you, it, it comes out like that. Between that and, you know, if you have the flu, you might pass away because um, there's a strain of blurred flu and, and um, you know, all this stuff. And I got angry. Not that I might not get paid, but I got angry at sin, what sin does to a nation. When people mistrust each other to the point that they can't, if I say orange, I'm just going to say blue because I can. Not because I really mean it, but I don't want to agree with you. I'm not political. I'm just saying how people get, and I'm like, this is like romper room. Trying to corral all the children. You know how you get your kids. You got to agree. Give me that toy. Share with your sister. Now, now. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And we're all captivated by it. And people, well, it doesn't, it does affect everybody because it builds something in the environment that we all walk around in. An environment of fear. And when you get fearful, everyone gets angry. And they don't know why they're angry. They're just angry. And they're on edge and they drive crazy. That guy called Devin. Did you get the license plate, that guy? He said, that was you, Rich. I'm sorry. Anyway. But <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm, 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 um, I'm friends with the police chief. and He's telling me about the things in our city, about uh, marijuana rising. And, you know, if you have friends that's doing that, you need to get away from them or, get, you know, or help them. You know, the, you know, the, the um, sexual assaults are up high. All over our city, our, our, our county is the highest. You know why? Because of our universities. A lot of people are getting attacked on the university, but they're not reporting it. Now, they're trying to make alcohol a date rape drug because they're getting drunk too much and things start to happen. We got two immoral people getting drunk. Things take place that shouldn't take place. All those things. And God was showing me all those things that's coming up, but I noticed if we make this the source of our faith, we're not going to have any. And when I'm walking, and I go to the base, and I go to the hospital of all places, right, to the pharmacy, 
CNN, Fox. And I'm like, guys, you guys are getting, and they're arguing, and you can't even read your book up there. It's so loud. And they think that it's a filler, but a filler faith, a filler fear. And do you feel it? You feel almost like a, man, I hope we get out of this. Right? Well, God gave me a vision. You guys can come up. Um, a couple years ago. And I didn't know what it was for. How many know that story about um, disciples and Jesus is in the boat? And, and Jesus uh, healed a bunch of folks, did a lot of things for them, and the guys were like, man, Jesus is amazing. So they get in the boat. And um, the water starts coming. The storm comes up, and they're like, you're going to wake him up? You're going to wake him up? You're going to wake Now, Jesus is sleeping. He's just, he's not, he's tired. He's emotional. He is tired. He's figuring, you know, and they're going ballistic. Like they listen to Fox News. They are losing their mind. You going to wake, you going to wake him up? Ah, oh, man. Then he said, go to the other side. I don't know if he meant that or not, man. He is sleeping. We're going to die. You ever been there in that place when you come to work? When you stop it, you know what I mean? We're going to die. We're going to die, right? And then Jesus wakes up and says, oh, you of little faith, be still. Well, what God showed me was this. We're in the boat. The world's in the storm. We have Jesus in the, in the, in the boat. We're not supposed to be saying, we're going to die. We're supposed to say, you don't want to die, and we pull you into our boat. But what we've been doing is we've been fighting in our own boat because we're so scared in our boat. And he said, Rich, and I got early this morning, this is what's going to be like the rest of our time here. What you're experiencing now with no budgets and all that other stuff, it's just going to get worse. But the church has to realize we have Jesus in the boat. And we're looking for the next hero, the next Tebow, and the next, what's the guy just do the great pass? And well, we're here. Well, we're him. We're all him. We are the Calvary, and we are in the boat. Now, when I, if I get paid, I don't get paid. You know, my heart's not about the pay. It's about my heart of man who is fighting so desperately, fighting, that is affecting a whole nation and the countries looking. You guys are really out of control, but they're supposed to be because that's what the world does. I want to help you. If you have a problem, you have Jesus in the boat. He comes closer when we have more issues. How many know that? He is our boat. So when we, we're the ones that stood up with all the authority and all the power of Christ and say, be still on my campus. I'm tired of you guys drinking this alcohol and getting hurt. I'm tired of you guys' families are doing marijuana. I'm tired. In Jesus' name, be still. But you don't know how to get out of this water and out of this storm. Let me be the one with the courage to pull you out of this. Let me go on the storm because I'm not really going to float because I have Jesus in my boat. That's a rhyme. That's a song. Anyway, and, and, you, and you pull a man. And that's what he showed me a couple years ago. I didn't know when to release it to this morning. Don't, be that, don't let this be the, the source. This is great entertainment. 
entertainment. And it's a great source of, I look at stuff I don't want to, so I know what everyone's experiencing, what they think. The sexual assault, so I can see why it is, because we have a nation have thought that was great. Or do whatever you want, and then we'll see what happens. It was sold years ago. But I use this as an educational, and sometimes I veg on that. Too much. But you guys, we're in the boat. Remember the last time you were sick and you got healed? Remember when you thought your marriage wasn't going to make it and then Jesus pulled you in the boat and now you have a thriving marriage? Just because it's taking time, that doesn't mean he took time off. It means he's in my boat. So my soul be strong enough and I'll have my moments. Don't kill yourself on your moments. You're not perfect. We won't be perfect until we see our Heavenly Father. Amen? Don't kill yourself on the moment. And don't be afraid to tell someone, I'm having a moment. I have, I have, a, I have, a, I have a, um, a board. I call them all the time. Man, you know? And they say, and you know, they're like the goalies. They'll, they'll tell me something. They'll kick me right back into play. It's okay. We're human. But we have, we're natural, but we have a supernatural source. His name is Jesus. And God, our Father, who loves you. And you're not, you don't have less faith because things aren't taking place. Just the time, he always has something better. Let's not settle for the less. Let's settle for the best. Because, you know, we want to rush the less. We don't want to create our own issues. Don't do that. Settle for the best. Let's all stand. And I'm gonna, we're going to end in a time of song. And this is a chance to glorify God and strengthen your faith, wherever you are. Wherever you are. We all need this. How many agree? (laughs) Father, I thank you this morning. We praise you and we glorify you. Lord, speak to each and every one of our hearts, God. Let us know that you're in our boat. That you have called us vessels of rescue. To rescue those who don't have a boat to bring them into our boat where Christ is. We praise you, and I ask that you seal every heart this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I left it up there. For we trust in our God and through his We will not be shaken. We will not be shaken.